What's happening, everybody? This is Kyle Brooks. And I'm Edwin Lee. And welcome to the Black Men Unlearning podcast. We're so grateful to have you all with us. It's always a great time to share and to build on these conversations and insights. And today we are continuing on our series on relationships and what it is that we have been taught about them, what we must unlearn about them and how we construct better models for ourselves, for our futures. And today we're focusing on the idea of sacrificial relationships, where we are given these ideas that love is sacrifice, but often a kind of sacrifice that can undo us, that can break us, that may even cost us our lives. And so we're going to spend some time digging into where these ideas emerge for us and in our lives. And what do we do about that? What do we do with these conceptions of love that uh, while they may have good intentions can also be uh, some problematic spaces for us and can uh, at the very least invite us to reflect on what does it look like for love to be sacrificial, but maybe in a way that doesn't um, always mean putting ourselves last or forming an unhealthy relationship uh, with love as an idea and a practice. So that's where we're going today. And I'm excited to to dig into it. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, this topic came because we've been having a couple of discussions about uh, our idea of, you know, where this came from. I, this is something, uh, this idea that you needed to give of yourself or uh, put yourself last is something that uh, I think we touched on when we kind of talked about the responsibilities of men and some of the things that we were socialized to believe about what our role is in a family unit or uh, among a group of people, like when we are supposed to kind of take the lead uh, with certain things and when we're supposed to put ourselves uh, as the last one. So when I think about some of the behaviors that uh, are the foundations of what I learned uh, or maybe what I observed and then translated into things that I internalized, it's just like, you know, my dad being the last one to fix his plate, right? Everybody else eats before, right? And I didn't grow up in situations where I uh, went hungry, uh, but this was a practice that, you know, everyone else's plate would be made and then my dad would uh, be the one to, to get his food together, right? And this was taught as like a, a role and responsibility that he is going to work on a daily basis, doing a job that he doesn't necessarily like, um, and sacrificing that time in order to make sure that that you know there's food on the table, that we're able to have the things that we want, uh, that we're comfortable, right? And so uh, this idea of putting yourself uh, and your needs behind those uh, who you care for, who you're in relationship with, in order to make sure that folks have what they need, that they are uh, never without, and this becomes something that, is in, that was uh, taught as uh, the, the direction that I, was, that I was going, that in becoming a man that I too would 
uh, fulfill these roles. And this would be a practice that I would then engage in whenever I had my own family. And, you know, it's difficult because you don't quite understand in that context when it's a good time to operate sacrificially and when it's not. Our parents' generation is largely different than ours. I think our generation has had quite a bit more latitude in being able to decide the types of things that we'd like to do with our lives from an employment standpoint, from an artistic standpoint, from an uh, explorative standpoint, um, than many of our parents had the opportunity to do. Um, we could major in things that uh, our parents couldn't major in, right? We could uh, explore projects and travel in ways for many of us that our parents couldn't. Um, and so this idea of kind of not doing so much so that you could care for things can be foreign for us in some big places, right? My parents weren't big vacationers, but I try to get around when I can um, to the point where they'll tell me, hey, aren't you doing a little too much? And I'll be like, hey, <laughs> your business is grown. Um, yeah. But uh, in that same vein, um, we, we just don't necessarily understand that that does not extend into maybe more intimate places, right? And so then it becomes difficult because then how do I have a, establish a good convention or practice for how I engage in relationships in a way that is deeply loving, but not so loving such that it doesn't love me? You raise some really critical points, one of which comes to mind in your discussion of your father and how his sort of life and practices frame sacrificial love is the way that sacrifice gets gendered and where the particular location or medium of sacrifice occurs. So sacrifice in this particular physical way gets coded as an aspect of masculinity and manhood as a man, quote unquote, this is what you're supposed to do. Provision, protection, putting yourself last, putting yourself in harm's way, uh, doing the sort of uh, often the particular menial tasks, uh, the the sort of classic one that we, we can think of in, in the sort of a social narrative around these things is like taking out the trash. And <laughs> I can guarantee you growing up in my growing up in my grandparents' home, my grandmother never touched the trash. <laughs> that was just not that was not a thing. I mean, and granted, like between, you know, my my siblings and I, I was like, okay, you all are all young and able bodied. You can take the trash out and <laughs> wheel it to the corner. And even I and I, you know, I grew I grew up in an age before we even had like we, we didn't even necessarily have like a trash, like a fixed trash can for outside. It was like, carry all these bags out to the corner where they like pick it up. Right. So even that is like a different, you know, di slightly different vibe from like uh current day, but all of that to say like these, these embedded ways that sacrifice was supposed to be a part of the coding of this is how you perform manhood and masculinity appropriately. Um, and even even the way I, the way I think all of that gets that gets coded into a kind of lack of self regard and self care 
uh, things that you kind of learn not to do for yourself because you're so busy loving everyone else sacrificially or or just even busy sacrificing never mind like whether we're even coding it as love at this moment because if because that also invites the question of well what does love look like as a kind of as a requirement as a duty um and what does that do to like change or reframe the way we think about the sacrifice because what comes to mind for me is if I'm out here sacrificing in every way that I know how, and I'm not seeing a commensurate or what I feel is appropriate response, reaction, uh, balance to that, then that's gonna cause some, some issues that can breed resentment, that can make it difficult for folk to really uh, care for each other in the ways we need to. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it is indicative of a, a misunderstanding, perhaps, of what it means to uh, kind of live out love in relationship, uh, because it's kind of distilling love down into what, how useful we can be to someone else. Um, whether that's, you know, how willing we are to hop on a call regardless of how much energy we have and listen to someone vent or talk about a certain situation that's been going on or whether we're gonna show up to a place even if we don't want to show up or whether we continue to do and engage in activities that we don't actually enjoy in order to make sure that we maintain a relationship and we don't you know, operate authentically and sharing that we don't particularly like something in order to maintain love, but in all of those things, there is a lack of honesty that's present, um, which when we talk about loving relationships, we, we value uh, authenticity, we value honesty, we value understanding what uh, the people we're in relationship with actually want and need. And without those things, we, um, have, we have a lot of underlying issues that uh, can become larger and larger uh, and create greater difficulties for the relationship to really continue uh, in truth and actually grow and thrive, right? Um, and so sacrifice is not, sacrifice as a daily practice feels extreme to me, right? And there are certainly times that I can think of that I had to do things that seemed sacrificial on a regular basis in order to develop a skill or an understanding. Um, listen, sometimes as I think about uh, my now five years ago, as of November 18th, uh, PhD defense, the actual culmination of that uh, process, that felt like a, a, a sacrifice to go through all that I did to complete the degree, right? Um, and so there's value there, but as a daily practice, it wore on me. And there was a lot that I had to unpack and heal from in the process of giving so much of myself. And I also had to realize during that process that if I did, if I was you know, engaging in that 100% of the time uh, and not doing some of the things that I needed to do to feed myself spiritually, to give myself um, more energy to pull from, to actually do the hard work and heavy lifting that I wasn't balanced and I wasn't doing well. So sacrifice as this just kind of, um, one way way of living 
uh, and just kind of living sacrificially just feels unsustainable. It does. And it is. We can't always be running in a deficit. And one of the things that becomes clear for me with the passage of time is how in previous moments and stages of my life, I was often giving of myself in ways that just utterly would not work for any extended period of time and even don't work now. Like I think about me at the beginning of grad school and days when I was pulling all nighters and I look back to that now and think, Oh, that was terrible. (laughs) That was, it was a sacrifice because in part, and, and a lot of it too was sacrifice that was needing to make up for not having planned things out, not having mapped stuff out in the way that would have been most ideal, that would have Talk been, about it. you know, giving myself a sustainable practice for getting my work done. Uh, you know, so many, you know, waiting to the last minute to do a thing. Um, and, and and that even, I think, there, so there's something even there that, that comes into play. I think this idea of how um, sometimes sacrifice ends up being the consequence of preparation that wasn't done beforehand, of a lack of forethought, a lack of careful consideration of what you actually need to do a thing and not just what's the the bare minimum I can do. How, how, how little time can I give myself to get this work done? How uh, little space or energy or resources can I allot to make a thing happen? And so we we end up just running in this this continual deficit and being at less than ideal all the time. And yeah, that's no it's no way to live. But it also I think, too, about the consequences of that for other people. Like There are times where we become insufferable. Because we are so busy making the sacrifice we think is necessary. And, and, I, and I even named, particularly during, during like the, the doctoral process and the dissertation, knowing like I, I, there were many times too where right, I feel like I sacrificially self-isolated mm. and withdrew, you know, wasn't calling people, wasn't texting people, wasn't, I was in my, in my kind of bubble and it's like there's and so there's this way in which sacrifice too like isn't always isn't even just oriented around what you're doing for other people but also this uh idea of needing to separate yourself from people i need to sacrifice human contact and interaction and engagement for the sake of this thing that needs to get done and when you're done with the thing it's like well okay that's done but now I need to recover. I need to be restored. I need to be re-energized. Yeah. And I don't know that I, well, if I speak for myself, I can speak more definitively. Um, When I operated in a way that I um, wanted to engage in relationships sacrificially, or I was giving uh, some, so much of myself um, that I was very unbalanced or I was pouring from an empty cup. I was doing that with expectation that there would be a return mm. on this uh, unbalanced giving, on this uh, whatever energy I was able to, to get for myself 
passing that off to the next person or the next activity uh, or the next engagement, whatever it was, right? Um, I was expecting that uh, because I did these things, that there was good that would come from it, some of which would just be general good for whoever I was in, you know, working with at the time or uh, spending time with at, the, at, at that moment, right? Or a return that was specifically for me, that if I you know, put myself out during this time, that that would uh, gain me something spiritually or determine something about the outcomes that I was building for myself in my life, make sure that they would be good, that you know, in some in some instances that I expected God to align certain things in my life because I was operating in this way, because I've decided to behave in a manner that was um, selfless, quote unquote, um, because it's a lot more complicated than that simple word. Right. Uh, yeah. But because I was operating in this seemingly selfless manner, that there would be a return for it. So there was an expectation that this type of sacrificial behavior was gaining something from me. Mm-hmm. And that kind of undoes the, the whole system that I put together in my mind, that I, the way that I made sense of this made no sense. And the only thing that I was left with was kind of the brokenness of having not taken the time for myself, sacrificed the expectations of others or the thought of what I might gain from someone else or whatever the situation may have been in order to spend time that was maybe better used planning my time or taking care of the things that I needed to take care of or simply just resting and being good to myself. You said you said a word, man. It uh it it strikes me that often this notion of sacrifice kicks in around trying to do what we think we're supposed to, mm. whether or not that's actually the thing that's needed or required. Can I? Yes. Also, whether or not it's the thing that we actually want to do. Bruh, that part, that part, there's something, (laughs) there's something sad and I believe dangerous about convincing ourselves to put up with or to do stuff that we just don't actually want to do in the hopes that it'll pay off down the road somewhere, right? And 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 to be clear, I, I make a distinction between that and doing things that may be unpleasant at the moment, but that we understand as necessary for getting through what we need to do. Like there were plenty of unpleasant moments <laughs> during my doctoral program, but I knew what I needed to do in order to get done. And I did it. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. And I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but um, but this also, you know, I think puts into relief the fact that um, some sacrifices, right, like are not meant to be all the time things. It might be, here's a thing that in this given circumstance and situation, this is what the moment requires of me. 
and I've got to stretch. I've got to reach beyond what is comfortable in order to do what is necessary. I, I, be, I believe that, that that's a thing. Yeah. But I also, I also believe we, um, we create some dangerous feedback loops that are built on this idea of, you know, a very transactional idea that like, man, if I can just do these unpleasant things and I can have the thing I actually want and really want. Yeah. And the longer I, I sit and think about that, the more that feels not good at all. It feels terrible. And I think about, as you said, what happens when you're doing this with the, the idea of a particular return on investment and it does not come or it does not manifest nearly in the way that we imagine. Um, and I think about how that dangerous this can particularly be um, for, um, for the different relationships in our lives, right? Like you, you do something for a friend, you know, that is going out of your way, but because you hope that, okay, there's going to be some reciprocity here. And I think about the, the principle of mine that, of mine that comes, that comes to me is that of, uh, when I think about people's, uh, some folks principles for lending money, the idea that you should never lend more money than you can afford to lose. And if you give it, like, give it with the understanding that, like, can, can, like, can you let this go? Like, if this doesn't come back to you, is it going to be a problem? Is it going to change that relationship? Is it going to build your resentment? And it ain't just money, but it's all the things that we give to relationships and to, to our lives, right? Because um, there's folks out here who, and, you know, I have been folks <laughs> you do you go above and beyond and you you know as they, they what what do they call the, the the term that is often referred to is like love bombing when you like go overboard and just throw ah everything at somebody because you, you either want to convince them to love you convince them to be with you convince them to you know invest in relationship and connection in the way that you desire and when that stuff doesn't come back the way you wanted or the way you hoped it can leave you in a dark place that um ain't necessarily where you want to be and often i think can lead to a miss a misguided placement of our resentment we can yes. resent we resent a person or people for not responding to us in the way we desire but we often forget to to question like now why did you do that it was this demanded of you required of you was this what you wanted because mm-hmm. because those kinds of questions then like shift the burden towards you know look at yourself first you can because you can't change another person so you need to ask what are you doing in your decision making that um has turned sacrifice into a heavy weight on your life yeah yeah and how does that practice kind of get us out of having to do the real interpersonal work of understanding, you know, what the parameters of the relationship are mm, and getting yeah. the truth about what the parameters of the relationship are. Sometimes if we just, we, we convince ourselves that if we just make ourselves useful to whoever this person is that we're in re- relationship with, that they'll keep us around. Yeah. Right. And I think that there's a lot of places that we learn this from as black folks, like our family histories can be decorated with stuff like this because it mattered to make yourself useful. 
when you're in yeah. danger, it matters to be useful. But in many cases, there's a kind of a reinforcement of an understanding that that usefulness only goes so far. That in certain moments of conflict, of issue, of um, you know, downright sinister behavior by uh, a group of folks who continues to be a problem, as Kyle Rittenhouse got. Never mind. I don't really want to go there. Uh, the point yeah. is, um, when you're in these situations, this idea of kind of presenting yourself as useful seems like it's a space of safety, right? The relationship can be maintained and preserved because you have shown yourself to be valuable to the other person. Um, and so I can see how this is learned. I think when we, even as we are, you know, interacting with our families as we grow from being children, right? We learn behaviors that get good responses. And so we learn to produce those behaviors in many cases in order to get good responses. So we don't, you know, get in the way when something isn't going right. So nobody's looking for us if they're in, you know, looking for, you know, something to be wrong. Um, I think this is a societal thing for us, right? It's, it's, it's finding a way to make good uh, for our time, right? Whether it's you putting in all this time for your company, right? You, you doing all kinds of work that ain't paid after your 40 hours. <laughs> oh, man. You, 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 you pushing 60 and you ain't getting paid no, no, no overtime because you're convincing yourself that this is showing folks that you're useful. And then when it comes time, they'll do the right thing and promote you and give you the money you actually deserve and whatever else we can convince ourselves of because we're making ourselves useful because we love the work that we're doing and see the value in it. And we wanna prove ourselves to uh, be dedicated to it. And all of these things put, place us in a position where we don't consider what we want, how we feel, if this is good for us, if it's working for us. And in, in whether you're talking about interpersonal relationships or a company, what we all know to be true, whether we like to say it out loud or not, is that we're replaceable. Yep. Like, if, if we miss this bus, the next one's coming, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you you're not here no more you leaving okay we will find someone else to do this job yep right and it's 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 a hard thing for us to realize that we are not as essential to the operation or the person or the family structure as maybe we thought and that's a that's by kind of operating uh, sacrificially, we convince ourselves like, no, this whole thing will fall apart if I'm not here, right? Yeah. And that's us trying to add to our value as if our value is not innate. And it's a practice that doesn't gain us any. It doesn't at all. I'm reminded of something I saw <laughs> posted on social media that, uh, if you ever go to a workplace and they say, you know, we're like a family here, you're probably going to have a terrible experience because <laughs> because that family language gets invoked as a way 
of often uh, guilting or shaming people into a certain relaxing of boundaries, into a certain mm -hmm. sacrificial posture, you know, do it for the family, for the team, for the, you know, give up mm -hmm. something of yourself or for yourself for the sake of others. And it just strikes me how it's terrible when people try to leverage those things against against others in order to uh, in order to coerce a sacrificial giving. Like here, and I, you know, I'll be the first to say, you know, I don't want people offering me stuff with strings attached. I want you to do do what it is you actually genuinely want to do, and not because it's some trade off or because you're betting that this is going to pay off in a certain way for you. Like you either, you either genuinely want to give of yourself, of your time, your talent, your energy, or you don't. And if you don't, it's cool, but you can't throw your stone and hide your hand. I, I think we, part, part of what I think is, is critical here is the, the importance of one, naming our intentions behind what we do, being clear about why we do what we do, but also alongside that uh alongside that clarity i think being willing to set aside uh to set aside ego because certain certain times you know the sacrificial posture can be about centering ourselves needing yeah. to, to kind of prove or demonstrate and, and i acknowledge right that's that in many ways and in many times that that need that compulsion to prove ourselves to someone, to a group, to our workplace, to, to whatever entity uh, is not necessarily a thing that was initiated by us, but a thing that can be triggered by, you know, other times and spaces in which we felt inadequate or felt that if I don't perform, if I don't demonstrate myself as, and I know this has been true for me, if I don't demonstrate myself as competent, then it's gonna be a problem. I'm not enough, I'm not valuable, I'm lacking. And so in the desire to make myself useful, right? It was this also like that, like you said, that that desire to kind of take yourself out the spotlight, to not wanna be a burden, not wanna be a problem. And so it begs the question, well, in a kind of Du Bois, du Boisian way, how does it feel to be a problem? Because many times I think this sacrificial posture towards love towards our behaviors and practices in relationship with others is from a place of believing that we are a problem in need of being mitigated in need of being solved in need of being minimized in order to make things better for for someone else in order to get out the way and i'm like man you know it's a sad place to be in where we don't trust that others can hold us and care for us and help us to know that we're enough. Yeah, I think, I think it's also this idea that what we have is not enough. Mm -hmm. Like that we showing up just as ourselves are not good enough to be deserving of the kind of relationship we desire. And so we have to prove that we can have relationship because of what we bring to the table. 
And that feels familiar for me because that's something that I absolutely practiced um, probably throughout my college and at least my early to mid grad school years. I mean, let me tell on my whole self. It, it was almost at the end when I was finally right. figuring that out. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, like you, you, it's 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 a lack of love for ourselves that places us in position to try to to make people see that our presence is worthy of their appreciation, their adoration, based mm -hmm. on what we can bring to them. And so you name like a good thing, like where, where at, at times we can give with strings attached, with mm -hmm. expectation, you know, wanting someone to be able to show us the same things. And, you know, people having good boundaries is not, an, should not be an affront to us. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it shouldn't be offensive when somebody's like, nah, I ain't about to do that. You can do that, but I'm I'm not, right? And sometimes yeah. we're upset because, well, I was willing to do this, but nobody told you to do yep. that. <laughs> you you said you wanted to do that, right? That was all you player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody forced you. Ain't nobody, anybody even asked uh, you to do that. You jumped up in here, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's an important lesson for us to learn. Um, and it's 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 insidious, man. I, I think this is something that gets embedded in us. Um, and it can depend a lot on relationship dynamics that we were born into. So our our family's relationships uh, and how you know certain siblings may maybe operated together or certain parent uh, child relationships operated. And then you're passing down to, you know, your kids, hey, stay out the way, make sure that you do this. When we go over to your grandma's house, you make sure that when dinner's over, you wash them dishes. Not that it's not a good thing to wash your grandma's dishes, right. but it's like, oh, okay, I ain't the only one that ate. Where, why are y'all not washing dishes? What? Uh-huh. This this not your house either. <laughs> you you a visitor? <laughs> yeah. Man, it hit it hits me. So you you even describing that, it gets me to thinking about how much family dynamics play a role in this. And and particularly, and you know, I can I can only speak to it from within a black cultural and familial experience. But knowing the ways that folk have run serious guilt trips Woo. on you know, all the sacrifices that were made. And the thing that, that would always come to mind for me, and I, you know, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it was <laughs> of the folks involved in this situation, who chose for me to be here on earth? I give didn't me ask y'all for none of this. <laughs> right, fam. And, and in many ways, right, like these sacrificial processes as we learn, and as I've seen in my own life, become are, are, are an outgrowth are a reflection of the experiences that we had ourselves the things that we were taught directly or inadvertently uh the things that we were lacking and thought well you know i don't want you know my kids to lack this or i don't want you know I, i've seen i've seen relationships go this way so I'll, 
want my relationships to look different and I want to go the extra mile and the whole nine yards and do all of that. And <laughs> what we realize is like, it's like, you're trying to, it's like trying to pour, pour water in a bucket with a hole at the bottom. No matter how much you go over the top, trying to fill this thing up, it's always going to be empty. And so then you're forced to, to contend with, well, is the issue here that I need to pour more in or do I need to inspect this bucket <laughs> and ask you what's leaking out? Like what's, what's missing? What's the, what's the, the, the core deficit? Cause I'm convinced that some of this, this sacrificial posture is, is about, there's a core deficit somewhere that I feel like I need to overcome. And it can be hard to really dig to the root of those things unless we give ourselves time and space to, uh, to really, to really like dig in. Um, and so much of this, honestly, for me has, has only come through, uh, and to some extent, some therapeutic intervention, um, being able to have honest, frank conversations with, uh, other people in my life, uh, with friends in particular, who have helped me to see one, a lot of our common experiences and like, Oh, I behave this way. Or I do this thing because I have a fear of what happens if I'm deprived of love, if I'm deprived of care, if I'm deprived of attention, if no one is thinking about me, if no one is caring for my emotional well-being, uh, And so all of that stuff, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't disappear. It doesn't just float on and fly away but yeah. it's in us and like carrying a certain weight that impacts how we go about these decisions in our everyday lives. And it, you know, I think of, uh, I think it was Fantasia who saying it, uh, you know, if you don't want me then don't talk to me, <laughs> go ahead and free yourself. And honestly, this, that those lines have been so instructive for me about the fact that often through sacrifice, what we're trying to do is negotiate, other people's desire for us in their Ooh. lives. And the less a lesson I have learned, and I will preach this to whoever will hear it, you cannot negotiate desire. Nope. It either Period. is or it ain't. And there's a blessing in recognizing when it ain't, giving yourself space, to grieve, to reconfigure, to reimagine whatever you need to do to reckon with that. And then moving along, because let me tell you, oh, there are a few things sadder than being the person trying to either negotiate another's desire for you, your presence in their life, or being the one who recognizes how someone's trying to negotiate that, that with you and you know it just ain't there for you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I think the challenge is that this is so present in so many parts of our, our culture, right? And particularly from a religious standpoint. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we're you know, as as Christians, like we 
we both are, you know, very clear on, on what the gospel tells us and uh, the example that we have in Jesus. Um, and I think it's, it's challenging for us to establish good practice around how we should behave in our relationships that follows what we've been taught in our doctrine, but also does the good work of taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, the, the taking care of ourselves part has been left as this thing that will happen on its own as a result of the good things that we put out into the world rather than uh, taught as a practice mm-hmm. that is um, as essential as um, some of those kind of serving behaviors and um, the love and care that uh, we have in Christian community, right? Um, we are not, we don't spend as, as anywhere near as much time talking about how to like really love ourselves well. And there's a significant conflict that comes with that, right? I think about how church burnout happens. Yeah. Our folks are, you know, showing up for everything, a part of all these different ministries, doing all these different things with the thought that this is going to produce some good blessing in my life, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's embedded in so many different areas that it becomes very difficult to learn that that behavior is present and begin to, you know, remove it from all the different places where it kind of plagues us and stops us from having honest and authentic relationships. Man. Listen, I, I can I can remember part of the, the communication of like how my uh my father you know loved us is him saying like he was willing to die for us right mm-hmm. and how when you think when you're taught that that's a valuable thing that that's part of the i don't know maybe the currency of love that mm-hmm. that kind of embeds this very dangerous thinking around like what you should be willing to do for another person and i can't imagine how off-putting it might be for someone whose foundations of love are not as you know i draped in like this kind of violent context um, to hear that from from someone right and yet it's it's kind of a part of the doctrine because we think about jesus sacrifice but you know hove did that so hopefully we won't have to go through that i'm sorry yeah right (laughs) (laughs) I, I caught that. I was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's well, I, I kind of like laugh cringe now when I hear those words because I'm like, Pam, you a billionaire. Fall back. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Fall back. Um <laughs> no, but but man, you're right. Like, and I think about this growing up as a preacher's kid, man. How many people I saw who gave their like every free moment to to church and i thought to myself well i mean 
folks are grown. They can do what they want to do. And also that seems not terribly fun. It seems not terribly fulfilling. And, and it, it can, I think, frame itself as a kind of search for meaning, a quest for, you know, what, what do I do in my life that gives some kind of shape, some structure? It doesn't feel like things are unraveling. And, and man, like I, I, I sit with that stuff sometimes, like what is, uh, what sort of role does busyness end up playing in our lives? Because we don't necessarily know how to sit with the silence, with the absence, with the emptiness, with the loneliness. Um, and the and the fact that those things are not simply solved by having another person or people or entity or hobby in the picture. And what comes to mind is I think I think of uh, Toni Morrison writes about it in, in Sula and uh, Sula talks you know talks with her her friend I believe it was Nell about um, uh, about loneliness and. Um, Nell talks about, you know, Sula, you know, says to Sula, like, you know, Sula's kind of lived her life and gone all these different places and done a lot of things. And she talks about Sula being lonely. And, and Sula says, yeah, but you know, but it's my lonely. And she turns that back around and says, like, talks about having a secondhand lonely. Like, what happens when you got a lonely that someone else gave you? Like, you're mm -hmm. lonely in, in, in the process of being with them. And all the sacrificing and all the giving up because, because too, right? Like, I think these kinds of sacrificial practices also emerge from this idea that there's an ideal we can achieve with enough time, with enough effort. And in the story of Sula, I see somebody who was just like, who in many ways was just like adamantly refusing to make certain kinds of sacrifices, even for like, you know, like her own kids right um and we you know we won't dig into like all the like <laughs> aspects of that right but i think as this as a particular kind of example it says something about how like man you know folks think that they're escaping something or they're getting by or like they're they're finding a way out through let me pour myself my time my energy into this person, this thing, this situation, this work. And it's like, bruh, fulfillment does not come through just doing more things. That just ain't, it ain't the way. It ain't. Yeah, yeah. I. We can't begin without centering ourselves in some ways. And it's, it's, it's so, it's a scary thing that so much of what we're taught about how to be in relationship with each other uh, begins from this position of assuming that we won't do it correctly. So it's telling us not to be selfish and to avoid being self-centered. And those things are important, right? Because, you know, mm -hmm. relationships with narcissists are not great, right? That, that's, that's something we should avoid. But we go to an extreme where we, we operate in ways that we don't take care of ourselves at all within some of the relationships that we establish. And the expectation that the other person or entity 
will then take care of you in the process of you not taking care of yourself is not a good one, right? You know, the way that we talked about church burnout, the way that that happens is not just that the person keeps volunteering for things and doing things. It's also that nobody is checking in and saying, hey, ain't you doing too much? You're kind of doing a whole lot of stuff. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to do all that. Maybe you should just take a break. And there's nothing wrong with you taking a break. And it's not us trying to hurt your feelings. We're trying to protect you from you. Right. And so it's hard for us to, in our kind of interpersonal relationships, establish boundaries for other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we do have to get into the habit of kind of establishing some good thoughts, some good language for ourselves. Um, and, and, the opposite of being selfish is not just being like sacrificial, right? Yeah. And so one of my former therapists, um, because I've had so many and not that many, I feel that this is an irrelevant point. I sometimes do this, I apologize. Um, right. One of my former therapists um, would talk to me about not thinking that every time I was doing something for myself, that that was a selfish thing. And even if that doing a thing for myself was something that someone in my life didn't like necessarily, or perhaps negatively affected them, that did not mean that that practice in and of itself was a selfish one. And she taught me to use the word that is, it should be a word, self-full, right? So doing self-full things right? When yeah. you're saying yes to everything, that's not a selfful way of being because you are consistently then saying no to you. When you are yeah. taking on so much, you don't have time to rest. You don't have time to do the things that you like to do because you keep saying yes. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have better thought around, you know, creating good boundaries learning how to say no. And in, in some ways, that's like learning how to say no to ourselves because we're yeah. the one that's trying to make everything happen or trying to prove that we belong or, or, or should be given whatever the thing is, whatever the goal or objective. And uh, a lot of this kind of sacrificial behavior is an indicative, as you, as you stated, of like there being something missing within Man, I like that that idea of self-full behavior and practice. I dig that. And that's, it's a thing that in the establishment of boundaries, we're often confronted with. Because, um, right, in the same way that, like, there, there are folks who will not check in and say, hey, you know, do you think maybe you're doing a lot? Like, do you maybe need to dial it back? Do you maybe need to take some time for yourself, some space for yourself? There are many people who will become accustomed to your sacrifice as simply the norm. Mm. And they will extract whatever you will give them for as long as you've given it. And the moment you decide you're going to change it up, now it's, oh, you're acting brand new. You're acting different. Um. And there's a there's a significant kind of power, I think, that comes with owning that 
your decisions have to be for you. Our, it's not to say that they have to only be for us, but I can't be undoing myself for the sake of everyone else. It, like there's, you know, the well that is my life has to be replenished or else this doesn't work. And at the same time, I also recognize that taking time for myself, taking moments, making decisions that are about me, whew, man, the, the importance of breaking free of a misplaced sense of loyalty. Because <laughs> the word loyalty gets tossed around a lot, but in ways that I think people have internalized like poorly that my loyalty does not mean I give up any and everything for the sake of this person, this thing, this family, this job, whatever. It says, I I care about the relationship that exists here. And I try to work in the interest of that flourishing relationship. But sometimes the flourishing relationships look like, you know what, I'm going to establish this boundary that enables us to stay connected without being resentful. Yes. Because uh, I mean, and I, you know, I'll give a, I'll give an example. Whenever, whenever I go home to visit, I always get a hotel. And the reason I do is because I love my family, but I'm also a very much grown man who wants his time and space, who wants to be able to go to bed at the hour that he chooses. <laughs> that one that, that like and so there's stuff that like it's not that I couldn't sacrifice and like you know stay with family but I find that I can be more present and more loving and more engaged with my family when I'm not worried about being annoyed <laughs> when I'm not worried about being upset with folk do, doing the most or being extra and like I said, I love, I love my family dearly and I can love them better when I have time and space to retreat, to recharge, and then re-enter in a way that doesn't require, because I'm like, man, if I'm home for the holidays or something, like the last thing you want is to, to be dealing with like petty, silly stuff that gets in the way of the actual flourishing of your relationship. And so, you know, and, and they're like, you know, fortunately, they're like fine with that. And if they weren't, that would also be okay. But they are, so it works out. Uh, but in these ways, right, like being, being able to say, like, that's a self-full decision. And it's one that costs me something in terms of like, you know, the monetary investment. But it's also like, you know what, I will gladly pay money in order to be able to enter into healthier relationship and shared space with my family yeah listen as someone who is going on a i, I think it was a four mile run on christmas day because uh, i'm like y'all are driving me crazy and i have to get out of here yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man i we 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 get one of these right I've, I've found myself saying that a lot lately with our lives. We get one, 
as far as we know. Um, so when we think of that in, in that context, man, relationship or having a, a practice of operating sacrificially in relationships, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's abusive. Like we are, we are not doing good things for ourselves by operating there. Like laying yourself down, laying yourself out, making yourself like the doormat to make everyone else comfortable constantly is a practice of self-degradation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is one that does not allow you uh, to love yourself well. And, you know, if we're going to use that, that Christian context, you know, loving others as we love ourselves, well, embedded within that is an understanding of loving ourselves and finding better ways to strive to do that which allows us to love others better, like understanding the ways that we need to be loved and then engaging in those practices for ourselves establishes the kind of routines and uh, the the protocols for love that each of us needs. Um, And without that, we're left in these situations where we just kind of are, are almost, you know, lopping parts of ourselves off to be offerings for other people's whatever they can give us right yeah and it's 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 a it's a devaluation like we're not when when you're giving a piece of yourself that's Mm -hmm. so much to give and what are you actually getting in return because while we can talk about kind of the transactional nature of it if you are giving a lot you should be getting something back yeah let's not get it twisted Right. Mm-hmm. So in, in that in that context, right, we, we got to think about the ways that we're just like shredding ourselves up yeah. to get all these things in return, because it's what's here is already good. Yes. It doesn't need to be exchanged. Mm-hmm. And that reframing helps us to show up better. Um, and to be healthier in all the relationships that we that we engage in. I agree. You you touched on something that I think is is critical for us to remember that we're already enough. That our our value, our significance in life is not a function of needing to perform these things. It's not to say that we can't grow and change or that we can't decide, you know what, I want something to be different in my life and here's the pathway I'm going to take to getting there. But it is to say that, you know, our intrinsic worth and value is not conferred by, you know, endless sacrifice, but really is grounded in real connection and community. Like it's, um, I think of, I think often of the concept of Ubuntu, that a person is a person because of people. And what helps me to realize when I'm going too far over the edge, when I'm giving way too much in a way that is not healthy, that's not sustainable, is the people who help make me a person and who remind me, you are a person, you are a human being, you have limits, you have needs, 
you have desires and wants and all of that stuff cannot be fulfilled when you are constantly running on E. Yeah. Or if you're running yourself into the ground, like I, I think about how the language of uh, quarters has taken over so much of the way people talk socially about, about life. You know, we, like we in the fourth quarter, I'm like, man, I am not a business. I ain't in the fourth quarter of nothing. I'm towards the end of this calendar year and yet in the middle of a pandemic and, and <laughs> this is probably another episode itself talking about like, boy, the ways in which I am tired that I'm uh, like exhausted. Right. But on it to say, man, like, and, and now I think now more than ever <laughs> realizing the exhaustion that life visits upon us simply in trying to make it day to day. It's so, it's so critical, I think, that we give each other the space and the honesty to say, hey, you know what? Enough really is enough. You can, like, enough is, is enough. And we don't have to twist ourselves into knots trying to perform abundance. But man, like I think when we can when we can find real rest and comfort in knowing for the people who who truly love and value and care for you, you are and will be enough. Yeah, man. And that is enough for today. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you <laughs> for listening to another episode of Black Men Unlearning. Uh, we're so glad that you continue with us uh, and we will catch you next time. Yes, yes. Y'all have a great day. Take All right. Care. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Black Men Unlearning podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Black Men Unlearning and email us at blackmenunlearning at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to podcasts.